This episode is brought to you by our friends at Squiz. Squiz is a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. Squiz has so many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I've been most impressed by are their custom site search product, Funnelback, and their website platform, which is a true DXP. And don't worry, I'll explain what that means in just a second. For the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom smart site search. So that way your nursing program actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. And their DXP, it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. A CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management. It's an important part of your marketing tech stack and important part of the student life cycle. But that's just it. It's just a part. A DXP, a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your MarTech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with a normal CMS. Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that hurts your SEO and get ready to meet the fastest, most powerful, and most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly and as easily as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducers that schools across the globe are using to not just attract the next generation of students, but nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive and not counter to how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. You can learn more about Squiz at enrollify.org forward slash Squiz. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash Squiz. Oh wait, how long are these? How long are your uh, like the Enrollify Core podcast normally? Uh, good question, Jamie. We are we are recording live, folks. Um, and Jamie wants to know how long our episodes typically are. You know, they really range. Are it's, you sure? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Jamie, I have like the fancy Rodecaster, so uh, I don't record via Zoom. Um, <laughs> But no, typically about 30 to 45 minutes is typically how how we go. But, you know, sometimes we've got a you know, kick-ass 25-minute episode, and then sometimes there's like an hour-long episode. So sure. um, that's got the way we roll. Well, folks, uh, in case you missed it, Jamie Gleason, who some of you guys actually might know from his days at Capture, is now a part of the DD Agency team. He's our VP of Enrollment Strategy. And for those of you who also don't know, Enrollify is actually a sister brand of DD agencies. So we have the same parent company and we get to collaborate um, pretty often. You know, a lot of the folks that are helping produce the content here at Enrollify also uh, contribute on the agency front. And Jamie is is one of those folks. So Jamie, welcome to the show. It's been, uh, we haven't had you on yet, which is which is my fault. But uh, it's, it's exciting to, to have you at representing not just 
your role at DD Agency, but also your role as host of CRM Prov, another co-host, I should say, another uh, uh, podcast in the Enrollify network. But thanks for being here. It is absolutely my pleasure, Zach. Thanks for the invitation. And, you know, thanks for like, uh, if nothing, you know, like we talk about a lot of times uh, so many different things, but I think this is going to be an exciting opportunity to really kind of drill into, um, you know, some things that matter. We, we can get off on some things that like definitely are tangential, but this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So just a little bit of context for our for our listeners. Um, we had a couple of last minute cancellations um, for interviews this week, and we decided, you know, we actually threw out a couple of posts on LinkedIn, and uh, a lot of people responded saying, um, hey, I'd love to be on the show, and just, you know, can't swing it in such short notice. So I had to, to bring in the big guns um, and have Jamie come in and, and join us, um, which I'm pumped about. And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to do a quick sort of like two-part series um, so part one is, uh, will be released today. Um, and then part two, you can find tomorrow, which will be, which is Friday, May, what is it? May 21st tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, can you believe it? I know it's, it's insane. unbelievable. And what we, <laughs> what we want to do is we want to spend the first, uh, this part, just kind of brainstorming some ideas, uh, new, you know, ideas that we've been noodling on and thinking on, um, in sort of like enrollment marketing land. And then part two will be a little bit more focused on, um, you know, what, Jamie would have done or ideas, um, you know, advice he would have given himself during his days as, um, as an enrollment manager. And, um, hopefully you guys, you know, can take away some good sort of nuggets, uh, from that part of the conversation as well. Um, so without further ado, Jamie, should we dive in? Let's kick it. Great. Great. Okay. So what I want to do, Jamie, is I'm going to throw a couple ideas out at you that I've been thinking on, and I just want your reaction. So I want you to, you know, tear it apart. Let me know what you think. Think it, you know, if it's a good idea, a great idea, maybe a terrible idea. You know, you 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 be honest with me, which you you typically are. So, idea number one is around, you know, obviously, no matter if you're, regardless of if you're in undergraduate admissions or grad admissions, like Conflows are this like big kind of like sacred thing. They get a lot of money. They get a lot of attention. They get a lot of time. Right. And, you know, you've got your post-inquiry conflows, you've got your post-app conflows. If you're on the undergrad side, you've got, you know, search communications that are going out. And a lot of these communications um, are, are pretty redundant. We, we've talked a lot about sort of like how a lot of conflows, especially at the graduate levels, feel and look the same. And so sure. one idea is, you know, what would, it, what would it look like? And I actually think that this would be, this would work best at the undergraduate level first, but what would it look like to have a communication flow that was entirely video and almost like a Instagram or Snapchat story like experience where you do get an email, um, but it's you know very, very limited copy with one big CTA, which is to the video and you click on that video and it's as if you're uh, clicking on an Instagram story or a Snapchat story and can kind of walk through as you've got an admissions counselor on the other side walking you through you know, the information that would be included in that, that communication flow. So sure. idea being like same content, right? That, that, that content's important. It's important for folks to, you know, understand your UVPs to understand how to apply, et cetera. But how do you totally flip the format so that it's, you know, 95% video, um, with, you know, 5% copy text in, in, in sort of the email communication. So thoughts. Sure. <clears throat> My thoughts are, 
Oh man, I, I I love the idea. I mean, I think the idea is great. I would actually reference our listeners to a it's it's kind of a somewhat related uh, project that went on in the HR space, um, and maybe you you may or may not have watched it. It's called Onboarding Joey. It's from a company called Three Sixty Learning. It's okay. phenomenal. Okay, so essentially, I'll give you the I'll give you the quick uh, what happened. This uh, this girl named Joey got hired at this company. Um, and for her onboarding process, uh, for like the first 90 days, they actually did a video journal of the things that she was going through. Like, what was the experience? What were some of the, the processes she had to go through? Um, and then the, the finale was the end of the season one was essentially her 90 day review huh. of like, you know, essentially, you know, if we want to, you know, translate that into enrollment terms, it was like, you know, your acceptance or your, your moving into campus or something like that. Some kind of critical conversion moment. This video was done in, uh, I think there were maybe nine episodes, uh, for the first season. They were all about four minutes long, four or five minutes long. It was amazing because it kind of walked you through the journey, some of the emotions she was going through. Um, obviously it kind of, you lose some of the translation when you're coming into the applications style. But huh. you know, if we think about that in terms of a student, whether it's moving into campus or settling into their major, or even like kind of going through that post acceptance process, like there's so much room for video and that is how people communicate. That's the, you know, people want to, be, you know, we've always used this term, I think in marketing, it's like people, we need people to associate and they need to see themselves there. Well, I think with video, they actually can do that, right? Lit yeah. It's not just a philosophical see themselves there or theoretical. It's like they can actually see an archetype of themselves like doing that process and, and going through that. So I think that there's tons of room in this um, uh, for, for even the potential for different campuses to have their own personality, right? Like, um, <laughs> I don't know how long ago it was. Uh, I think it was Harvard or Yale, one of the Ivies, like produced this really it was like the time of high, of high school musical when that was coming out. They produced this like sing songy six minute ditty about like, like welcoming some to someone to campus. Huh. It was a video. It was so funny. Um, but like it, in general, what it, what it did is it allowed everyone to like, it showed the personality of that Ivy league. Um, a, another school could take a very different tact and like have their video be, you know, funny or satirical or like, you know, very straight laced or something like that. I think there's lots of room for like really bringing out, like you said, the UVPs of what you're offering um, in so many different like nuanced ways. I think it's one of those things too, you know, whereas uh, in a traditional comm flow, you know, most of us are happy if we can get someone to, to open or click it. Um, <laughs> I, I think with something like this, you could actually have um, the engaged audience potentially watch something multiple times. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking of, of myself and maybe I'm just a nerd, but like, it, which is quite possibly true. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, but like with that, with that Harvard or Yale video, which I don't know if we can link that in this podcast, I'll find it and send you the link to it. It's so cool. Um, but I, I remember watching that like two or three times, not because, uh, I was interested in going, but it was just entertaining. Mm -hmm. So like, is there a way to figure out like, how do we make what is normally kind of, like you said, stale, sometimes maybe a little bit uniform looking, uh, routine and, you know, very, anyway, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uninspiring, yeah. like how do we make that more inspiring? How do we make that to get multiple views and how do we, 
really get our in our audience to engage. So I love the idea. I think it could be really good. And I think the difficult, uh, should we transition to the difficult part? Sure. Let's talk transition <laughs> to the difficult part. <laughs> I think the difficult part is, I think everyone gets overwhelmed when they think about video. Yeah. 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 But, uh, unfortunately, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and I agree. I do think that is slowly changing. Um, and I think like, it's changing because there are tools coming out that are like making it sure. easier. I mean, we were talking right even just the other day about like TikTok advertising and the creator yeah. marketplace, and even just like the resources that that TikTok TikTok's like relatively new advertising platform gives you to be able to like take still photos, still content, and create a yep. video like experience with that content. So I do think that there are there is a shift happening. Um, and I think of like good kind, who's actually in an Orlify partner oh. and like their tech and the way that they walk you through how to, how to record these videos. Um, they, they just make it as, as our, as the CEO of DD agency, Tony Frigo would say, they make it Fisher price, right? Like very, very like simple, easy to use, um, tools. So I, I do think because, because the tools are better and, and, and the UX of the tools are better, that will help a little bit. I also do think you know, admissions counselors who are coming into um, higher ed today are just a little bit more comfortable with video than maybe like sure they were ten years ago. Um, but yeah, no, there, there's like still old guys is... like me. Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, old guys no, like me. No, no, not not you, Jamie. You're you're cool. You're you're with the times, man. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, no, I think that that is real friction, right? Like getting people that are good at video, because again, like you can be comfortable at video, but you could also be bad at video, right? Or you could actually yeah. be really great at video, but not comfortable with it. So yeah, there's right. certainly friction there. Um, yeah, yeah, like, and I think half of it too is the mindset, right? Like, yeah. and I think that um, I totally agree with you. I don't want to say this does this doesn't have to this doesn't shouldn't sound like me disagreeing with you because I do think that it's so much more accessible. Uh, I, I even think the expectations are different, right? Um, no one expects all the time for a video to look like super polished, like a Super Bowl commercial. It's like we're okay with the raw and the authentic and the short yeah. as long as it has meaning. And I think that that's the key, you know. So, um, and, and in part two, we'll talk about this a little bit more because I think there are some things, some nuggets within uh, the enrollment world where where maybe a, a director or a VP who's been around for a little bit. Um, there are ways that I think they can help move this responsibility to someone who will will not only own it, but will take it and run with it. So yeah. I have a few things, ideas on that. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll we'll certainly circle back on that. But just to just to table this um, this idea, I think one of the things that comes to mind is, especially at the undergrad level too, like there's has been this shift to. Uh, you know, as as next generations are maybe a little bit like hesitant to read, you know, three paragraph uh, style emails sure. and with low HTML and, and whatnot, there has been this like shift to like very like bold, beautiful, like dynamic, simple emails with one big loud CTA and like, you know, two lines of text. Yep. So I already think like we're moving in this direction where we're focusing more on like creative and more on like experience and more more visual assets already mm -hmm. but the beauty the beautiful thing about video is like you you don't you could you can take what you get in that three paragraph email like the 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 context that like is so important yeah. in that in that three paragraph email and you could you could do that in a 20 to 30 second like 
video. So you could still send your dynamic, beautiful, simple email with a big CTA to that video, but then you get the added benefit of that additional download of context that sometimes can get lost in like a brand email. Um, sure. So anyways, I just, I think that- And especially, you know, like one final point on that. I think this year, especially- you know, when we've had this like kind of prolonged absence, you know, for a lot of states in the in the in the United States, it's like there's still not like a real easy process to get on campus. So if yeah. there's a way to like fold your campus into that, you know, I'm a, I am not a big fan of virtual tours, even though I know that they serve their purpose and all this kind of stuff. To me, they always seem very like kind of, ugh, you know, yeah. like, really, am I, am I going to sit and watch this? Um, so I feel like that's a way to like really make that process and that those 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 photo opportunities or those campus, you know, things that you want to show off, even the vibe like that you can show those things off. So I think absolutely I'm I'm a big fan of the video. Yeah. So we'll see. And again, I think most school or not most, but many schools do incorporate, you know, a video here and there. But I like this idea of yeah. like, what does it look like to think about your Comflow from a video first uh, perspective? So if you yeah. want to go do this and or you are doing it, please, you know, holler at us because I'd love to talk to you and, and understand what's working and, and what's hard about that. Um, a second idea, which is closely related, is. So I've been thinking a lot about like the story format that has just sort of like made its way to pretty much all social platforms at this, <laughs> at this particular juncture. Uh, like I've oh tried word. a couple of like LinkedIn and like Twitter stories and I don't know. I just, they flop. They're just not as good as like an Instagram story or Snapchat story. But like, you know, just about every platform is like trying to do this whole story thing, which I actually think makes a lot of sense, right? Like humans love stories. It, I love this idea of social becoming a little bit more like, like real time, like, hey, this is actually yeah. what I am doing today. I love the idea that, that this content like expires and goes away after a 24 hour period of time. Like there's so much that I love about stories. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to uh, uh, enrollment marketing, what I see a lot of the time, f how I see colleges, and universities using Instagram is it's a little bit more of like a PSA platform or yeah. it's like a you know takeover from a student that's like walking around campus and I, I don't <laughs> think that either of those are necessarily like bad on occasion but I've been I've been seeing more and more um in, you know Instagram influencers if you will outside of higher ed actually tell a story in the story meaning like what does it look like to strategically craft almost like a you know, um, humans of New York sort of thing, right? Where you've got this like Instagram journalism, you know, kind of going on. But what does it look like to mm -hmm. have 10 to 20 frames a day that like all are related? They're not, they're not like independent frames and they tell one story. Like, hey, we're going to tell the story of Dr. So-and-so today, right? And it's a, it's a faculty overview. Did you know, like, and it's almost like a, here's where he went to school. And like, this is a photo of, of him, you know, when he was 22 and just getting started. And then here's the research <laughs> he's doing now. And, um, you know, and then it's like, and he's trying to solve this big problem that's um, going to change the world, right? Something really dramatic like that. But I, sure. I, I think that like thinking a little bit more strategically about like, what was the intention behind the format um, of, of this particular, uh, uh, you know, network and, how, how could we actually craft our content um, in such a way that it really does feel a little bit more like a singular unified story each day? So this isn't like rocket science. This is pretty easy. Um, but I do think that like 
if you want to build your Instagram game, um, and again, you can do this on Snapchat too. I think taking a slightly different approach from everybody else, which is taking like everyone else is doing that, the PSA approach, right? Um, mm-hmm. rem- reminder, like submit your app. Um, and then there's like a photo of like, you know, like the, the main campus square. Like, I think that, yep. I think that you could build, I think that you could build a following, not even a more loyal following among existing students, but also sort of grow as a uh, grow in sort of your reputation, your reputation as sort of like a brand that's doing Instagram well. So I don't know, simple sure. idea, but I think it could be powerful. Yeah. So immediate thoughts on this are if I were, uh, uh, okay. So I, everyone who's listening should probably contextualize my background because it's, um, I have worked at two small uh, institutions in the Philadelphia area. If you know anything about the Philadelphia college market, it's absolutely saturated. A uh, <laughs> hundred colleges within a hundred miles of of the Metro Philly area. Um, it's the second most populated college market in the United States, next to New York City. Um, which means, uh, obviously, you know, competition is great. I worked at at a, at a small Catholic school for a little while. Among what there were literally like a whole bunch of other ones that looked exactly like it, and so always trying to figure out like who you were. So I totally agree with you, Zach. The uh, the PSA approach is prolific, and in fact, I think what happens on higher ed sometimes, unfortunately, is that we we take the power of a tool. Uh, that might be presenting and we actually make it into that which we have done Hmm. like we've you know (laughs) we've take you know we take email uh and you know like and and it's everything becomes like email you know like you send one big text message out you have like a series of but none of them are like they they don't bend toward personalization they actually go back toward like this uniformity Hmm. um so the the I think this the story idea is great and I'm going to take it a a, I'm going to put a little twist on it because do it as I as I think about it, like the the enrollment manager and myself is like, holy crap, that'd be so much work, right? Which is exactly why it has become the way thing it has become, right? Like, yeah, because it's really hard to think of. Okay, I need I need four hundred students this fall, or I need a thousand students this fall, and I'm gonna like spend my time, you know, making twenty frames a day or something <laughs> to like like I don't know that I can do that because I have to like think of this bigger picture. But what I have also been thinking about in life is, um, you know, what are the what's the downside of customization Um, or, you know, what's the potential? You know, obviously, we all know there's an upside, right? Like so thinking thinking about um, this story within a story. You're so meta, Zach. You're just so meta. Um, (laughs) But like how could how could um, particular departments or particular, uh, you know, schools within a university use this in order to take what has been a very personalized calm flow to a student. And when they get toward the finish line, bring them back into a community. You know what I'm saying? So like, so like our communications are often, you know, at DD agency, we're thinking about how do we trigger emails based on behavior? How do we think about engagement? How do we get student? How do we basically reduce the noise in the funnel so that we're focusing our efforts on the ones who are engaging and who mat- who are matter and who are the right fit. And I think all these things are, they're all very good things. Um, but eventually we have to bring that student back into the community that they're, that, that, that was actually the first thing that attracted them. Yeah. You know, they weren't attracted by like this one-on-one experience of like, you know, the, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of schools, a lot of private institutions are very much toting 
you know, we have this like very community approach, you know, it's a very tight knit community. I think those words are often used maybe yeah. for every institution. Um, but at some point we have to take that personalization that we've created in, the, in our messaging and we have to bring it back to the, to the, to the micro community that they're joining. So that that's often, you know, <clears throat> pardon me. I shouldn't clear my throat on on the uh, when we're recording. It's all right, man. It's it's raw. It's uh, it happened. It's it's the real Jamie. Um, <laughs> I th- I've often thought that this is the reason why you know it, it's not even often thought. It's not like this is an aha moment. This is why sports on campus, even at D three schools, are so critical. Yeah, because you're inviting a student to become a part of an organism, and that organism is the team. So. It really, it becomes like this, when is the toggle? This is the question for the enrollment managers who are out there listening. Like, what is the toggle point wherein you bring that communication from like this ultra personalized, like, hey, we're here to meet with you, Zach. We want to talk about your future. We want to frame you up in this way. And we want to bring you back into the physics department to yeah. like become a part of the body that you're going to be joining. The part, you know, you're going to be a part of this research team that is going to change the world. So like how do faculty members and how to program deans and things like that think about that in order to to do that? I think that's like that's like the uh, I mean, it's not the silver bullet. We're always looking for the silver bullet in enrollment management. But like but I think it's part of it. Right. Because there is, you know, the community part is super important. Yeah. If we if we lose out on that, then we, we we don't do that. So I would say going back to your original idea. Sorry, I was like totally rambling. But I think if you can take that on a. I mean, I guess I'm actually making it more complex by not even having it be just school, but it's like, how do you, how do you create those micro communities to, to bring that student back, um, you know, kind of to their final destination. But I think I will say also within that, within my thinking there is that this is not a, a maybe per se a tool that everyone gets. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's like, you know, a funnel segmentation where it's like, if the student has gone through these process, if they've submitted their FAFSA, if they've made a visit to campus, then we're going to kind of VIP them into this, into this story. And, and obviously like that gets super complicated, but it also is super powerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you only need, I yeah, tot- you only need like, uh, you have to be strategic in doing this for sure. And it doesn't need to be an, a, a daily thing necessarily, but yeah, right. no, I mean like I want, like there's a reason why humans of New York, right. Is such a popular account. It, there's a reason why people love even like, you know, n- the New York times approach to social media is always interesting to me too, because like, you've got this like, you know, historical iconic, like brand, uh, a print brand, right. Using these tools and, and of trying I think that they're doing a, a relatively good job doing this, trying to sort of apply like their storytelling sure. frameworks um, to to Instagram and, and the format that it provides. And like, I think that they they do toggle between sort of like, you know, promotion of an individual story and actually telling a story on their Instagram story. But I, but I do think that they do a relatively good job. So anyways, I, but to your point, Jamie, like one of the things that was coming to mind as you were talking is it's almost like, the, you know, as a as a brand, right? Like your first objective is to grab attention, right? Like you like I need to get your attention, uh, Jamie. Yeah. And, and one of the best ways to do that is to show off a little bit, like flex, right? Like what is it 
that I think I'm good at or cool at? And how do I like flex to get Jamie to like look at me? Right. But then once I have, sure. once I have your attention, like then I think there is a shift between like, it's less about me and it's more about like, okay, Jamie, like, you know, how, uh, what, what benefit, right. Do you, do I have like uh, my friendship, my, my professional networking relationship with you? Like, what does Zach have that that might help Jamie? Right. Like, and what does Jamie actually care about? Um, and, and so then it's almost like there's this phase of like making, making it clear how the prospect does fit yeah. into the culture that pre-exists, right? But then when it comes to like closing the deal, you almost have to go back to like the attention and the brand and re- remind sure. them why they looked to begin with. Yeah. Um, and so I love how you flesh that out. And, I, you know, I, I haven't spent much time thinking about this, but like you're right. Like I wonder if even in our – post app conflows, um, maybe even like, like later in like a, a post inquiry conflow, maybe there's, maybe there's a case to think a little bit differently about have we gone overboard with trying to personalize to Zach? Does Zach already understand how he kind of fits into this community? And do we actually mm-hmm. need to, you know, step back a little bit and remind Zach why he first fell in love with our school? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting dilemma. And I think if, if anyone's done any studying on millennials and Gen Z, you know, there's often this phrase that, you know, that, that they want to be a part this, these two generations and I am not a millennial. So I, I'm like on the brink, I'm on the millennial, the upper end of the millennial brink, but I have definitely am a cynic, like a Gen Xer. <laughs> um, but there's this, there's this point where they want, these two generations of students, they want to be a part of something that's way bigger than themselves. You know, I think Gen Xers are very egocentric and very kind of like, oh, you know, nothing's going to work out kind of thing. But um, but I think if we can figure out within the story format to bring them back into that bigger community, I would love, you know, I, what I would love to do here. This was just like, I would love to like put together this like, I don't know, you know, this, this idea I think is so fascinating because, you know, as, as I think about my own kids, right. You know, there's this point where they have grown up in this, in this era and we're all getting used to it, right? Like this era of so many options, so much personalization, everything is customizable to who you are. Um, and to think about like, what, yeah, what are the ramifications of that? Cause if you really drill that down, like eventually you're on a, you're, you're, you're actually, um, you come into a classroom that is a classroom of one yeah. because it's designed for you, uh-huh. which is not really what we're selling. Huh? You know what I mean? Cause yeah. like eventually it's got to come back to that, like that body of students. Um, so there's this other part of me that's like, okay, is the, is the end of that a school, a, a, a landscape where every institution is a specialization school, like where it's only schools of journalism or it's only schools of science, you know, like, and and we see some of that, you know, schools of nursing and business and things like that. But like, I still find a lot of value as a student of the liberal arts um, in having those disciplines mixing together. And I also think that we're raising a generation of students that doesn't necessarily see themselves as franchise players in the long run. They're going to, yeah. you know, multi-careers. And it's just like, so it's a, it's an interesting conundrum that I think we're maybe creating or promoting, but we have to figure out like how do we pull that back? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that is 
Ah, that there is so much gold there. That's worth like <laughs> a whole a whole series, a whole a whole study. Um, that that we maybe as a whole podcast. Yeah, yeah, its own podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, but I but I I think that that is um incredibly worth thinking on. Um, and yeah, I I for anyone who's done as you mentioned earlier, uh, Jamie, any sort of research on this, I'd love to. I know that we'd love to to hear uh and and you know engage with it. But oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah. What happened? Like, what? Where's the breaking point um, at which you've personalized so much that you've lost the community um, that I yeah. thought I was joining or that I had hoped to join? Um, and where mm-hmm. is that? Where is that threshold? Um, well, a couple of final things, and then and then we can close out and then start part two. Um, this actually, I'll, I'll jump to this because I, I do think that this actually fits nicely with what we were just talking about and wrestling with. But like, one of the, one of these ideas is that I've been like thinking on is are like analog formats of content, right? So analog being like you know print formats of content, um, are they dead to Gen Z? Like when when their entire lives are digital, like your kids, I'm sure like you know don't get letters in the mail uh anymore <laughs> right like i did when you know the, like pen pals were like this big thing like when i was growing up and sure. it was like a, we we i checked the mailbox every day uh now like i the only thing i get from you know mail are like credit card offers and like you know the occasional yeah. like random bill that i forgot to pay or you know something like that but like the mail is not fun like the mail is not interesting it's uh, it's not where i go to um, you know, I associate it with sort of like bills, payments, like taxes, right? Like that, that's what mm-hmm. the mailbox is associated, um, with, uh, for, for me now. Um, but I do wonder if like, if there is a play here for, for college and universities, obviously many of them are still, you know, sending tons and tons of print material, sure. but like, even when it comes to, I think about like marketing offers, right. And one of the things that the agency does a lot of is like create tons and tons of really good, valuable content, thought leadership content, resources, et cetera, uh, for, for its clients. And, uh, there's, there is this like internal sort of dialogue between like, okay, do eBooks, do guides, do downloadable resources. Does that work at the undergraduate level? Um, and you know, I don't know, you would know better than me, Jamie, but like, I do wonder, like, is there, is there something novel? Is there something cool as a Gen Z prospect about, getting something physical or or downloading something official from a brand, a, a type of brand that you do associate with like academia and like sophistication um, and whatnot. So I don't know, maybe this is, maybe this is dumb, but like I, I'd love your thoughts on whether or not you think there is a play to bring some analog format um, back into the enrollment marketing mix. Yeah, this is a great question. Again, not to like, I, I feel like this year, whenever I'm talking, I always kind of look back on the last 14 months and everything is is shaded a little bit. But I think, you know, it's it's really interesting to think about this in the context of this super digital world that we not only live in now, and, yeah. and which is kind of normal, but like the last 14 months have been like this, this, exponential increase in, in digital format. I feel like, uh, I wanted to create my own word there formatry, but, um, (laughs) but you know what I, (laughs) um, so, okay. So here's, here are the questions I would ask you back. Uh, 
How do you feel when you do get something that's very significant in the mail that is just to you? Um, assuming it's not spam, uh, yeah. I get really excited because I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, what, what is this? Like, why, exactly, is somebody, right? why is somebody contacting me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you order something on Amazon or you get your shave club delivery or, you know, a dollar shave club delivery, which they is now available in stores, um, you know, you're usually pretty excited about a package that's arriving with your name on it, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. So, so I would say the same is true for my children. I, and for those who are listening, I have two teenage children. So um, I'm starting to put them into the college search process mindset now. So I guess what I would come back to say is there is, in my mind, still room for the analog. Uh, because I think in, in a lot of ways, it still stands out as somewhat different. Now, I, you made a critical statement there that I want to make sure that I emphasize. Uh, you said as long as it's not spam or in this case, you know, as long as it's not marketing, you know, garbage or things like that. Um, I think that that's a critical differentiator when it comes to analog is that it's got to be something special and significant. So whether that's like, you know, a swag box or whether it's like, uh, I don't even know, like I, I don't have the, you know, the creative bandwidth in this moment to like, just think of like different modalities. But I do think that the school that can figure out like, you know, the right uh, segment of students to send something to, which I think is critical because I think one of the let, let's just let's just name it here. One of the mistakes that a lot of schools have made, uh, and it's been a pendulum swing is like 10 years ago, everyone sent out this like big ass view book yeah. that was like, you know, cost $4 to print and mail, and they send it to 10,000 students, which is a terrible waste of money. So for that same amount of money, like what can you do for a group of 1,000 students or a group of uh, 5,000 students that would make a difference, that would make you memorable, that it would make them be excited to go to the mailbox? Um, uh, and I think it's interesting to think about this really in terms of like, you know, if we think about the increase in subscription services, right, like yeah. as, a, as an industry, like people are accustomed and actually looking for ways to utilize the mail. Um, now, we've done maybe a slight disservice here in thinking only about analog in terms of the United States Postal Service or other <laughs> delivery services, because I do think there are other things that can still be, you know, w ways that can be used. I actually think that, you know, in some ways, texting's becoming like an analog service, right? Like it's like, it's almost like it's becoming has been or been out there for long enough that it's become normalized, but like figuring out different ways to use, um, you know, tactics like that, uh, even email, for instance, yeah. like, I guess the question I'd pose to the professionals who are listening is like, what can you do to the, to the, the old formats that you've been using to spice them up? Now you mentioned earlier in the broadcast about like having a big, uh, an email that's, you know, well put together that has really just one big CTA and it's very kind of simple, but, but, but poignant. And, and I would say like, how can you do this with other services? Um, you know, good kind is a great example of like having personalized video. I know that there's a, a service out there called bombbomb.com where yeah. you can actually put a voice message or a video message in an email. So like, 
whether it's like taking things that are old and bringing them back into the fold. And, and I think the key always, 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 always without exception is um, an integrated channel methodology and also moderation in all things, right? Like you can't send a whole bunch of view books. You can't send a whole bunch of postcards, you know, like, but, but what would it look like to have, you know, postcard series or stories like on a postcard, you know, that are, they're somewhat different and somewhat like specialized to that student's interests. Or, I mean, I, I think it would be very interesting to ask at the beginning of a, of a relationship with an inquiry, like, what's the format of communication that you want to be yeah. spoken in? Yeah. Like how, you know, how, how many times a month are you okay with us sending you something? Like imagine if they wrote like twice a month or once every six months or something like that, and then use that as a way to toggle it down. Now, again, it gets very complicated and very specialized and super like hard to, to manage. And I think that that's ultimately probably what's <laughs> led us, let I would say us as like uh, an industry of enrollment managers to just kind of like go back to what we've always done. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because we're, we're humans and we kind of think that way. But uh, Angela Duckworth always uses this phrase in her podcasts where she says, we embrace change, but we cling to the familiar. Ooh, and it's good. like, I, I don't think she made it up. Um, but I think that there's a point where, you know, I think that people who are listening, uh, especially to an episode like this, where we're getting like, oh my word, this is like such could be so cool to like have, you know, these channels and methodologies being used. Like the unfortunate part is like, there's not the time a lot of times to, to, uh, to, to think about them. So I'm going to tee up the part two of the episode, because I think in part two of this series, this mini series or whatever we're going to call it, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about like, what are, what are some ways that you can think that you can actually maybe implement some, we're not going to say all because that, that would be unrealistic, but like some of these things and what are, you know, what are some ways that I would think differently if I had it all to do over again, we're going to take a, take a walk through time. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my old man voice. I like it, Jamie. That's, that's good. You use it more often. Yeah. So if you are, if you're listening to, um, this podcast right now, part one, uh, you can scroll up in whatever podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast, whatever feed you are listening to this on. And you can go ahead and click on the Fanatical Fridays episode, which will feature part two. So we'll see you in a second. Wow, what a bridge. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.